This is John Floridus. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. Today we welcome Betty Lavette. This is John Floridus. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. I'm very pleased to be joined by phone today by Betty Lavette. How are you doing, Betty? I'm holding on, baby. 
Wow, great. Fantastic. So honored to get a chance to speak with you and have you as a guest on our program. Uh, before I get any further, I should say BettyLevette.com is the name of Betty's website. And Blackbirds is the name of her most recent recording, which, if I'm not mistaken, has that even been released fully yet? No, uh, August 28th or 29th, one of those two days. Okay. But they have been, they've uh, uh, released three singles. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Well, I definitely want to get into that and talk about that project for sure. Now, Betty, are you calling me from New Jersey? Yes, from West Orange, New Jersey. Okay. Well, great. Betty, I've had a chance to talk with a great variety of musicians over the years, and and some of them have had decades-long careers, but there's not many that have had the kind of career that you had. And I'm just going to, I'll just briefly tell listeners, if you haven't heard of Betty Levette, I know a great deal of our listeners will. She has had, she has a resume that goes back to the early sixties in a number of different styles musically. And I came up with a term. I want to see if you like it with all those different styles. I said that all of them eventually become Leveticized. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. I was pretty proud of coming up with that. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's true. And we, I want to talk you know, a little bit more in depth about how that levetization <laughs> happens. Now you're coming up with no, more words, levetization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple, <laughs> multiple Grammy it. Award nominations, uh, among several other awards, as well as a 2020 inductee into the Blues Hall of Fame. Um, Betty, let's start with Muskegon, Michigan. I wonder, can you just take me to Muskegon circa late 1940s, early 1950s, when, you know, when your story starts? Well, it was uh, uh, Western Michigan, 1946. My family, I'm the first in my family to be born in Michigan. Everybody else is from Louisiana. My family sold corn liquor. And if you wanted to have a drink after work in Muskegon in 1946 and you were black, you had to come by my house. And my family, um, my mother made chicken sandwiches and fried fish sandwiches, and they sold these shots of corn liquor or half pints or pints. And uh, they had this jukebox, uh, which when I was a little baby, I could lay on top of and sleep. Oh, but wow. then when I got to be able to stand, I would stand on it in my little diaper and roll my stomach up and down in time to the music, and I knew all of the songs on the jukebox. So I, I, I would venture to guess the only black female singer who knew songs by Roy Rogers and Dell Evans, B.B. <laughs> King. My sister was a teenager, though Lester was big, so I knew songs by her. My father loved B.B. King and blues and gospel. So I knew songs by the Five Blind Boys and by all the blues people. And my mother loved gospel and pop. So that's how I knew songs by when Red Foley's first record first went to <laughs> I knew all the words. <laughs> but I didn't know all these people were different. I, I just knew they all sung. I didn't know it was country, blues, whatever. I just knew they all sung and some I'd pop my little fingers and roll my stomach a little faster too, but. 
Oh, that is that a fan- was it. That's a fantastic. And I image. never got over it. I still like to pull my dress up and roll my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that explains that explains a lot about how you know the way you're able to leveticize all these tunes, you know, from all these different styles. And it's almost like you grew up in a venue. I mean, it was you had like a, the kind of place that you would eventually be getting paid to roll, <laughs> lift your shirt up and roll up around. <laughs> Well, the, the person that made the woman you see before you today was the first person who was, everyone was impressed that I could sing when we left uh, um, Muskegon and went to uh, Detroit. As I got to get a little bigger, everybody was impressed with the fact that I could sing and dance. But it wasn't until I got, um, had the first record that I met this manager, Jim Lewis, who thought it was unique that I knew all of these songs. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, had me, forced me to learn these songs because by this time I was a teenager and I wanted to sing what teenagers were singing. He wanted me to learn songs by Donald Washington and Sarah Vaughan and I wanted to sing songs by the people who were growing up in Detroit with me, the Miracles. And, the Temptations and whoever else. But he told me, he said, you may never become a star, but if you will listen to me, learn a lot of songs and learn to sing really well, you can sing until you die. Mm. And as you become older, you can make more money at it. And I, you know, just as I've gotten older and look back, I realize that I've been able to do to go on the Kennedy Center Honors and sing a song by The Who, which I had never heard of before. I was able to take the lead role in Bubbling Brown Sugar because I knew the words to Sweet George Brown. I just never thought any of these things would come in handy, but Jim told me they would. Next to you, 
Betty Levette joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. Betty, can you remember even going back to that that before you started to really you know become a musician? I always like to ask singers in particular, you know, if they can remember when they first realized that you really could sing, and it wasn't something that was just a passing fancy. It was something that really was striking a chord in you, and then also the first time you realized, oh, I'm also connecting with other people when I do this. Other people came later, but I think I've always been kind of uh, arrogant as a singer. I, when I was little, I always thought I was cute and that they always wanted to hear me. And I kept that <laughs> attitude. I have it now. And <laughs> that, that helps me as well. But it was a long time before I believed uh, who I am and what I can do. And uh, that it, it took me years to master me. It took me at least 20 years to realize that I didn't really have to uh, uh, be cute or whatever. I could actually apply my voice to anything. And it took me a long time to accept the fact because I wanted, of course, when I left the city, I wanted to sound like Dale Evans and Doris Day. And I, well, I thought that was the way singers sounded, the pretty ones. <laughs> and huh. and I, I knew I well, I, after a while, I realized I could not sound like that. And it was Jim's job to show me that the song, I didn't have to sound like anyone. Just learn the song and sing it the way you sing it. You know, because actually, sure. you can't sing it the way anybody else sings. Right, and, right. And again, how can anybody else, how can you feel exactly the way somebody else felt about a song? Well, in another way, this reminds me of that classic story of Ray Charles initially trying to sound like Nat King Cole. Ah! And then I can't remember what, you know, and then at some point someone told him, you know, Nat King Cole has got the Nat King Cole stuff down pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to it go there. You do it. You, I mean, yeah. You to make Marvin Gaye holler or make any kind of ah, something like that because he wanted to sound like Jesse Belvin and Jesse Belvin never did that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Finding your own voice and believing in it. That's a great point. What was the the moment that you feel like that belief really kicked in, that belief in yourself and who you could be? It was a very long time. I mean, a lot of things that happened and I had every reason to believe that I was good. Maybe I hadn't been successful, but people kept spending money on me. But when I was able to do a gig at a cabaret where people brought their own drinks and food on a Saturday night, get up on a Sunday morning and fly to New York 
and get into a chorus line and tap dance. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe, maybe I can be taught something. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping into that rolling, bubbling brown sugar and having to be very serious about these songs that I have heretofore just thought Jim wanted me to learn because he wanted me to be old. It was very hard for him to um, make me realize the gift that I had and that I should protect it. I should shut up and go to bed at night and don't lose my voice and so many things that, as I said, as if you've got a teenager, it doesn't make any difference whether they're a star or a singer or whatever. They're going to be like teenagers are. And I didn't want to do anything he told me to do. My little band was the fun company. And, and you couldn't kid us in the ass with a red apple. I thought we were. <laughs> when my, my manager took me, uh, he made me go and see everybody, all of these dreary people. He took me to see Tony Bennett and he took me in the dressing room. Now, mind you, I had a record in the charts. Tony Bennett hadn't had a record in 15 years. And he took me in there and said, I want you to meet this young lady who wants to be a singer. Ah. Oh. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) But that was what he had to do. He had to bring me down, you know, to build me up. And and what what was that like meeting Tony Bennett? I hope he was a nice guy too. Oh, it wasn't like anything. He wasn't sliding the family stone. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, now now you understand. Okay, so yeah, that would. <laughs> I was just meeting this old guy who saw. Slowly back and forth across the floor I can picture his sad lips silently praying That I'll come back knocking on his door I know he's broken heart and for more It serves him right Oh, it serves him right When love came back, he took all he could take I guess he thought our love was worth a gamble But brother man got bit by his own snake
You're listening to Musicians Spotlight. My name is John Floridas, and we have with us today Betty Levette. Betty, I want to talk about Blackbirds, your new recording, which as we are recording this interview now in, in well, I guess now we're getting to late July, um, it's going to be released in August of 2020. These are reimaginings of songs that have been recorded by iconic black female singers of the 50s, like Dinah Washington, Nina Simone, Nancy Wilson, Della Reese, Ruth Brown, and of course, Billie Holiday. Let's maybe talk about the, the, the album itself and how this project came about. Well, it, it's something that's always been there. The same manager, Jim Lewis, these were the women that he came up with. And that's why I was telling him, you just want me to sound old. You want me to sound like <laughs> and, um And I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't know, um, I didn't know then that I could sing them the way I wanted to sing them and that I would be fortunate enough to, well, I, I hoped that I would be fortunate enough to find a producer like Steve Jordan who heard these songs the way that I heard them. It, it, I keep saying it's tantamount to doing James Brown arrangements on Doris Day or something. Hmm. You know, <laughs> Doris Day songs of James Brown arrangements. When I say I want to do Blackbirds, he knows I'm going to do it like me. And what he has to do is choose musicians who can put themselves outside of what they've heard before. And the arrangement is just for me. It is not for the song. It is for me. It's a different person's interpretation. That's why I never use the word cover. Pat Boone was a cover singer. You you know, when you sing the song down just the way the record was. Right. But if you make the difference between Louis Armstrong doing something and, and Doris Day doing it, it's that's not a cover. That's a rendition. Yes, that's yes. That's a completely different interpretation. I take offense with cover. I correct it whenever I can. And for them to know what a mindset of your own it took, especially for great songs. I don't have to think about them. When I hear the song, I hear how I want to do it. I am in a very arrogant and singular thinker as songs go. When I hear the song, I hear how I want to do it. But if you sing something to the same arrangement that the other singer has sung, that arrangement will pull you. You've heard it more than you've heard you. 
and it's hard to redo it because you're you're being fooled to what it was. So that is where Steve Jordan comes in so handy for me because he comes and gets with me. It's just me, him, and a piano, and I sing the songs the way I want to sing them, and then he makes the music that goes with the way I want to sing it. And remember, these songs were brought to these people. New York, New York. If, if it was brought to somebody else and not Frank Sinatra, it would sound completely different. You know, so they're just songs. And it depends on who the singer is, what the song is, whether it's a gospel. They brought it to Mavis Staples. It would sound more like gospel. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it depends on who, who the singer is. Blackbird singing. In the dead of night I took my broken wings And learned how to fly All, all of my life I have waited For this moment to arrive In the dead of night I took my sunken eyes And taught my own self how to see All, all of my life I have waited this moment you'll be free We'll be back with more Musicians Spotlight and our visit with Betty LaVette.
Welcome back to Musicians Spotlight and our visit with Betty Lavette. This is John Floridas. We rejoin our visit with Betty Lavette as she discusses her approach to her acclaimed recording, Interpretations, the British Rock Songbook. When I did the um, the Interpretations album, uh, the, the British Rock songs, 
All these guys are about 40-year-old white guys who were playing on it from 40 to maybe 60. They grew up with these songs. These songs were not played on black radio. Although because I'm in show business, I certainly heard them and many of them were covered by many of my constituents. But I had never been a fan or a continuous listener of them. When I went to rehearse the uh, Rain or Me, the, the Who song, I told them in rehearsal, I said, I, I can't sing it like you're playing it. You'll have to listen to me sing it and then do something. And I sung it to them a cappella. And the producer said that we'll come back and rehearse it again tomorrow and we'll make the adjustments. But I could not feel the same way Pete Townsend felt. Yeah, let alone sing it like Roger Daltrey. There you go. That was a wonderful moment for me because my, my husband, who is Irish, grew up listening to these tunes. In fact, it was he. I would never have even known how to find this tune or, or, or whatever, but it was he who helped me with the tune, helped me uh, get the lyrics and whatever. But he's standing in the wings, and I'm uh, faced facing Roger and Pete, who are sitting in the balcony. Aretha Franklin is sitting in the fourth row on the floor. Beyonce is sitting in that same area to my right. Barbara Streisand is sitting next to Pete and Roger. I call it my Three Stooges slap. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Wow. That's a moment. <laughs> That's always one of the greatest moments of my life because all of these people have certainly done far better than I. Roger and Pete have probably never heard of me in their lives and Beyonce. And I had these three minutes. And that was, I had to use them. Ladies and gentlemen, Betty Lavette. Right over 
brain that makes you yearn all the way up to the sky. Oh, little love can bring no kind of rain that falls just like tears, tears from on high. Betty Lavette joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. Betty, I want to go back to the most recent recording, uh, Blackbirds, and I have to ask about your rendition of Strange Fruit. I was thinking this morning as I was writing out, you know, the, the, what I wanted to ask you about, and I, I realized I just I'm not sure I even have words to describe this song. Um, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It is terrifying, and 
unfortunately, we now are in a time when it, it is even more relevant. Well, it's always been relevant, of course, but maybe in the popular culture, the popular consciousness, this song is so important. And it's, it's an amazing rendition that you do of this. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how maybe how that song first came to you and and how you came about recording this rendition of it? Well, I, <laughs> Strange Food is kind of like um, Lush Life. It's been an all of my life song. And when I, I, I never felt when Jim forced me to listen to it the first time, I said, not only don't I like the song, I don't want to sing it. And we were just going, I mean, we were just in the throes of integration at that point, you know. So I didn't want to, that. I mean, it didn't do anything or the other to me. But this has been a period of, uh, next month will be the 59th year since my man was released. And I am such a different woman, individual than I was then. I learned the song because Jim forced me to learn it. Here again, I was like, where, where would I ever sing this when we're on the move, we're all going to be whatever, you know? So I never even thought the song would um, play any importance in my life. And, the, the, and when I, again, you know, not even acknowledging how important it had already been, but um, when this happened, the album, it was to just in this group of women, it didn't have, again, the importance that it took on after the George Floyd thing and after all the upheaval in the streets. It, it had a different meaning. She was just in a group of these women who are, who construct, or who are the bridge I came across on. And I wanted, my, my main thinking was, I wanted all, especially all of these young women who are calling themselves rhythm and blues singers, you didn't invent this. This is the bridge you came across on. I am a part of the bridge you came across on. You know, this was not, I was listening to the little boy, uh, what's his little name, one that's married to uh, the little Kardashian girl. <laughs> oh, Kanye West? He was saying, I make my own beats. I say, I'd love to see him trying to keep a beat behind James Brown for three shows at the Apollo. <laughs> make yeah. your own beats. Oh, please, get a group. <laughs> get a group and be grateful that James Brown made those beats and that he remembered them from the jungle and that you got a chance to use them. Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves. Blood at the root Black bodies swinging In the southern breeze 
rains fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Pastoral scenes of the gallant South. Bulging eyes and twisted mouths. The scent of magnolias, sweet and fresh. Then the sudden smell of burnt. This is John Floridas. You're listening to Musicians Spotlight, and I'm joined today by Betty Levette. Let's maybe talk a little bit about the the fact that, um, I guess it was around 2003, and that was a time when you felt like the second, in the second phase, being the second phase of your career. No, I feel like, um, I always call this my fifth career. The fifth career. Oh, okay. The fifth career started with a woman like me. A woman like me was, was the beginning of this, and... It took me all over the world to tell them, yes, she still lives. And I've called that, that happened uh, 
about 14 years ago or so. And um, so this is, I'm in my fifth career, and I always tell the audience, this is the first one that has worked. So I've had a recording that did something nationally about every four years, if you wanted to average it out, since 1962. That was why somebody wanted to write a book, because it wasn't just that somebody beat me up and I lived in a car at, or joined the church. This has been really, really strange. My first manager was shot in the head. I, I was only, I'd only been singing three weeks. <laughs> so it has been um, just a strange thing to have happened here. And for me to finally meet this manager in 1969, Jim Lewis, who spent all of his money and his whole life till he died on trying to make me known and teaching me all of these things that are keeping me alive now. It's been a little different than most people's struggle. Betty, I love this quote that I confess I borrowed from the World Cafe from a, an interview you did uh, a couple years ago. And But I love this quote and I wanted to just toss it out there and see what your thoughts were on it. This is your, this is a quote, you said it, so I'm sure you'll remember it. I've got so much to cry about, so much to holler about, and so much to laugh about. I think I've done that in all of my recordings. I've laughed in some of them and cried and shouted. Uh, and that's one of the luxuries I have um, with being a singer. I guess it's kind of like being a writer. I don't know what a writer is. It's so much more subtle. They don't get a chance to physically act it out. So it may be they're doing it, but it's a little bit stifled. Where mine, I can go on the stage and shout as loud as I want. I can cuss. I can, I can, I can do anything I want to do in the song. All I have to do is choose the songs in which uh, I want to do it. I mean, just the the thing, my first words, when I first heard, I hold no grudge. <laughs> my, the first lines, and, and then most of the things that I'm singing now, I'm not, I'm, they, you may want to sing them to your mate, but I'm mostly singing to this industry. And I, I sung that whole song for the music industry, I hold no grudge. I'll forgive you your mistakes. But please forgive me if I take it all to heart. Mm, I love that. So I, 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 all of the, of the songs um, that I'm, I've recorded in the last um, 10 years, have, they've been to, I've sung them to the industry, you know, because there's no way in a world I would let a man treat me the way this business has treated me. Just be friends But 
BettyLevette.com is the name of Betty's website. I'm going to spell that for listeners. B-E-T-T-Y-E-L-A-V-E-T-T-E. BettyLevette.com. Blackbirds is her most recent recording, which is going to be released in August of 2020. Thank you so much for making time to speak with us here on Musician Spotlight. What a treat. Oh, I really baby, enjoyed this. It's been wonderful talking to you. I enjoyed it as well. Your, your questions were so interesting. They weren't like, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should toss one of those in there every once in a while just to keep people on their toes. <laughs> Thank you, Sugar, for taking your time. Best of luck to you. And please continue to leveticize all these songs for us. Thank you, baby. <laughs> This is John Floridas. You've been listening to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today has been Betty Levette. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through the Montana Public Radio website, mtpr.org, as well as through our own website, musicianspotlight.org. You can also find us online on Facebook and on Twitter. Our program is available as a podcast from those websites, as well as through iTunes and Spotify. Musicians Spotlight is a production of Montana Public Radio.